All right. Welcome to the Athlete for Life podcast. I am your host, Jonah Mitchell, home for all things former athletes, helping you uh, figure out how to be an All-American in all things in life. And I'm super excited. It's been, been a few, uh, been a little, little while since I've been able to have uh, my guest on with me today. Uh, actually, this is the first time he's on my podcast, but I've been on his a few times. Uh, my, my good friend, Jimmy Pilato, it's a pleasure to have you here, my friend. I'm happy to be here. Um, obviously, you helped me out quite a bit, and then you have our uh, our recurring segment um, on our podcast. So it was a no brainer, and I, apparently, I really love to talk. I know that's surprising to you, but I guess I really do love to talk. So I'm glad to be here, and I'm ready to to have this conversation. I think it'd be fun. Awesome, dude. Yeah, despite popular belief, I don't like talking as much as as much as I do do. So that that makes my job very easy for this episode. Uh, um, really, uh, this, I, I was thinking about you the other day and, and I'll let you tell the whole story, but I mean, the whole premise of this show is like sharing my, my personal struggles with, with my athletic career, with, with have after it, my athletic career ended and not really knowing what to do. Uh, you have a very interesting story. So I, I, I want you to start, uh, first off by saying, uh, how long, uh, you played football, I played football for 15 years from the time I was seven until uh, I ended up not being able to continue to play when I was 22. So a whole 15 years. But before that, like, I don't remember a time where football was not in the plan. I, I honestly, my parents say the same thing. The first thing I told them I wanted to be was a professional football player. I'm pretty sure there's pictures of me somewhere uh, as an infant falling asleep on my dad's chest and sports centers on in the background. Yeah. But like I was, they turned on sports center because that's what I would focus on. And that's what kind of calmed me down. So uh, officially 15 years, unofficially way longer. So it's uh, it was a very, very, to say it was a very big part of my life, I think is a little bit of an understatement. I'd say that pretty much not just football, but all kinds of athletics were a part of my life. So that was one thing I was never not an athlete played football in the falls, played baseball in the summers, wrestled in the winters. Um, yeah. So I was always competitive, always trying to compete in something. And the ultimate goal was Super Bowl champion. Didn't quite reach that, but Hey, uh, I guess I can settle about talking about settle with talking about sports for a little bit. And that's been, yeah. honestly, that's been something that's uh, I knew that I wanted to do that afterwards, but, that's basically what I've kind of focused myself on now that my playing career is over. And uh, even though I have one more year of eligibility, I don't think my body can take it anymore. So we'll, we'll leave it where it, where it was. Well, I mean, I, I think you have like that, that natural ability. Like, I mean, during the, during when we were playing football, I would occasionally see you like announcing some of the volleyball games and the basketball games. And I was like, Oh wow. Like Jimmy's a, Jimmy's a sportscaster. I didn't know that. Uh, and then like you hear one of your own podcasts when you're like uh, like reporting on certain news or I, I remember watching your draft and then I remember like all the bowl games and listening. I was like, you're kind of just natural at this. So like, I mean, it goes to show that football, well, not even football, just sports in general have just been a part of your life. You just seem to uh, ease, easily glide over into that that new part of your life when football football ended for you, right? 
Yeah, I was doing it a little bit while I was playing too. That's when you saw me doing volleyball. I was the voice of women's volleyball and women's basketball at Western Colorado University for uh, (laughs) KWSB. So that was kind of the running gag. Um, It was honestly, I mean, really, that's something that I do no matter what, sit around. I have no clue what it is. I must have talked to me about football tattooed on my forehead because it's (laughs) – whether I'm with my family at a function or I'm going through a drive-thru, I get asked, do you watch the game tonight? No matter what, like whatever game was on, it's just assumed that I watched the game tonight. And I went, sure, I kind of know what we're talking about. I'll uh, entertain this for a little bit. So it's been, it's something that I've been doing for a while. And then um, obviously Nico and I have had the far end of the bench since last August. And I had my own um, podcast since, uh, last December. So it's been a, about a year and a half with me and the podcasting stuff. And then with Nico, it's been around 10 months, a little bit, almost a year, almost a year. That's exciting, dude. What are you going to do yeah, for a no. year anniversary? Um, I'm thinking I'm going to add a whole bunch more of editing work and take some of our best clips from the episodes that we've had so far. Cause we've had right now, I think we're at 43 regular episodes plus you were a bonus episode. We've had uh, interviews with Chris Anderson and Luis Vasquez, too, uh, former Denver Nugget, former Denver Bronco. Um, so we've had a few of those, and I think we'll probably just put together like a, a best of first year. And then afterwards, I'm going to hate it because it's going to take forever and we'll never do it again. But it'll <laughs> at least be out there for one time. Well, eventually, once you make it big, you'll have someone doing all the editing for you. So all you have to do is produce the content. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that I'm getting when I have the money besides a studio space is a guy who's going to do all the editing work for me because that's the tedious part about all of this oh man i hate editing i hate it just put me in front of the camera never put me behind it oh god it's awful uh well i i do want to bring up and this is the, the biggest part i wanted to have your story on 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 my show is you were kind of forced into taking over like sports broadcasting and like your podcast a little bit early uh, like, like you said earlier, you still have a year of eligibility left. And uh, you, you mentioned you don't talk about this much, but what what forced you to stop playing football and kind of take over this, this sports broadcasting role that you've been living in? Um, the way that it was put with the doctors was just a very unlucky ulcer. It was all it ends up working in about two weeks. So like I said, I'd been doing the sports broadcasting. I started my sophomore year of college um, and was doing that while I was playing. We ended up beating Mesa for the first time at Mesa since 2004 on a last second fuel goal. Everything was going great. See some family that drove down. Um, start the week like normal. I think I had, we had practice Monday, obviously. We didn't have enough linemen, shocker. So I was in the rookie scrimmage. Um, and this was this was my third year. So this was a whole year after I had kind of taken over sports broadcasting for the radio station. Uh, so I was a junior playing in the rookie scrimmage with a whole bunch of 18-year-old freshmen. I was frustrated. I was pissed off. I was at my wit's end. I obviously wasn't playing like I wanted to or like I thought I could be. Um, so that was all frustrating. So my, my wheels were already turning. And... We have a, a full-on scrimmage, full pads, full contact, everything like that. Uh, and I'm dead tired. Like, 
it makes sense because I was there was no other center. I was running the entire time during the scrimmage, so I felt like it was just a more rough day at practice and everything like that. Um, we ended up having some extra conditioning we had to do as an offensive line, and I normally don't say anything. I'm normally just the one. I mean, I think you could speak to this. If I'm given a task, I normally put my head down and just get it done. I don't really complain about it because who's going to listen? And I don't really. I'm not going to do it later because if I do it later, I could have just done it already. Oh yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah. well, this day, um, we ran half of what we needed to. I think we had two more left and I'm just like, I, I was, ba I was having trouble holding myself up. I was like, I'm, I'm done. Like I've physically pushed myself to the limit. So I go, listen, all half of us have already just done the scrimmage. Let's go inside. Oh, come on. Is one more really going to kill you? Well, when you tell me that, no, it's not. And I'm going to run it. And I finished it. Eat dinner on duty as an RA that night. And I get back to my room around midnight, 1230, um, after I got off duty. And all of a sudden, like, I am, I'm in the bathroom and I'm in there for a while, like vomiting pretty, pretty violently. I figured it was food poisoning because I had chicken from Mad Jack's and um, people who went to Western kind of understand there's a little bit of a roulette wheel that you take your life into when you have chicken from Mad Jacks. <laughs> so I, I just thought, and it was Buffalo chicken too. So I threw up and it was like spicy. I was like, Oh, it's totally what it is. I, I'm just, I have food poisoning. Um, so, and then I wake up the next day, at like four o'clock in the morning. So I'm just, don't feel any better because I basically threw up and then went back to my room. I was like, okay, I'll sleep it off. Uh, it's like a 24 hour thing. I'll sleep it off. If I have to, I'll text the coaches tomorrow. Uh, four o'clock rolls around. I get up and all of a sudden I can't walk straight. I'm taking like two, three steps, almost falling over. I end up falling over twice. I, uh, first time I took out the fan that I had in my room. Uh, second time I like tackled the trash can that I had in my room. So when my parents came, a couple of days later, they found the trash can with a big ass dent in it because I ran pretty much full force into it, passing out, falling on the floor. I text the coaches, say that I can't come to practice. Obviously, I can't even walk. Uh, don't get out of my bed. And I just kind of talked to my fam. My, my sister was at school with us, so I kind of texted her, just let her know I'm, I'm not feeling great. Um, if you can, stop by with some Gatorade or something because I'm not going to be able to make it to the store. I'm just going to try and rest this off and, and kind of sleep it off. Um, so long story short, three days later, I'm being airlifted to St. Mary's hospital in grand junction. Uh, what actually ended up happening was that first time I was throwing up, that was the initial, I had an ulcer that ruptured right at where my small intestine and stomach meet. And there happens to be a pretty big artery in that part of the body. So when it ruptured, it ruptured over the artery. So then I was, internally bleeding into my stomach from the first time that I vomited that Monday night until I was airlifted and they were finally able to get it to stop bleeding, I think by Thursday. So Monday to Thursday, I was internally bleeding that entire time and uh, misdiagnosed twice in the hospital in Gunnison, got sent home twice. And then going back the third time, they finally decided this is a lot worse than what we can deal with. So we're going to go ahead and airlift you to Grand Junction. They're going to try and take care of you from there. Um, and then that was basically the situation where woke up in the ICU Friday. Um, and first thing I did was I looked at my parents who were both there scared out of their minds from the past three days. I was like, 
guess I'm not playing this weekend because I had missed three days of practice and uh, was now sitting in a hospital in Grand Junction while the team was on a bus to Alamosa to go play Adams. So that was the first thing that I said. And basically in the hospital is where we decided that it might be time to start thinking about doing some other things. Um, okay. I heard, I heard the dogs. Um, but, uh, dude, that's like, this is the first time I'm hearing the, the true de- details of that. And that is horrifying. That is the scariest thing ever. Like you have no control over what's, what's happening to you. Like, so you're in the hospital. Not- yeah. And you're that's that's when it, you said like this is it like that was a split decision or was there like more beyond the conversation? I wouldn't say split decision. Um going into that practice, I basically kind of I was like I'm going to finish out the season and then I'm going to be done because if I'm just going to be a fifth year senior in the rookie scrimmage again, if I'm not going to be given an opportunity with I had already given up four years of my life and we talked about it a little bit. I didn't put in like the all American extra effort, but by the time I was a junior in college, I basically had it figured out. The more effort you put in, the more chance you have to play. And I still wasn't getting the opportunity that I really wanted. So if I was going to finish out the season, the way that I was where I was and being just a travel guy, a guy that they relied on to make sure that everybody knew everybody else knew what they were doing. I had already made the decision. I was ready to graduate uh, that spring, which is what I ended up doing, not in the manner that I thought with COVID and and everything like that. But the decision in the hospital basically was my body, like my body had finally given me enough of a wake up call for my brain to wrap itself around. Maybe this isn't what I'm going to continue to do. And, And it was, it was rough. I mean, I had, I think you were still at Western. We had a coach where I was in a position battle. I ended up not having a very good day in the position battle and basically thought I blew my one chance of uh, being able to make it as a starter at Western. And I sat on the practice field for 20 minutes after we were all done, everybody was all gone and I was crying. Like I was bawling my eyes out. Um, And then the whole situation with the hospital was just like, I get it. It's not, not anybody's fault. It's not my fault. It's not really anything that I could ever even think about controlling, but it was still just for a long time. I think there was a part of me that was missing because that was my thing. That was what I was good at. That's what I understood most in my life was football and sports and being competitive, being around guys on the team and just if I didn't have practice to go to on Monday, what was I going to do? It's not like it takes three hours to get homework done. Like a lot of people who just go to college think that it does. I didn't know, didn't have any idea what I was going to do other than the fact that I knew I was sitting in the ICU with my parents who just had to witness me uh, almost, I mean, I almost died. There's not really a sugarcoating way to say that. When I got off the chopper at Grand Junction, my heart rate was the lowest that the monitor will read. I can't remember what it was specifically. It was like 60 over 40, something something wild like that. Holy crap. And my heart, my heart rate was 120. So I was uh, – Wow. 
Were you conscious? Yeah, well, they had given me, because uh, I was complaining about the vomiting, and I, I said I was nauseous, so they had given me a shot of anti-nausea medication that was making me kind of drowsy. But looking back on it now, um, and them telling me that my heart rate was so, or my blood pressure was so low, but my heart rate was 120, I remember those times where I was passing out in my dorm room and passing out in the hall. I would wake up because I could hear my heartbeat ringing in my ears. Like I could hear the thud in my ears. That was the only reason that I would wake up from being passed out for those three days that I was bleeding in my stomach. So yeah, it ended up being, I went to the ER in Gunnison the first day they told me I had a really bad flu. Uh, so they gave me a couple bags of fluid and sent me home. I, and in that, the blood work that they took during that visit even came back saying that I was obviously something was wrong because I had not as much content in my blood as I should. So it's almost like, well, there's no holes on the outside of you. You're not bruising. I don't understand what the doctor told me that I was severely chronically anemic and I had been anemic my entire life, which people who understand like the medical stuff and like how the body works. If I was severely chronically anemic, how would I have been able to play and not miss a single practice or workout in Gunnison at 7,000 feet elevation? Yeah, seriously. Oxygen or the air is so thin up there. It's just, holy crap, man. So that's a, there's a lot to unpack here, right? Because you, if you first go from like doing those extra sprints at the end of practice where you're about to collapse and then you go home and you start vomiting after dinner, kind of thinking it's this this uh, this food poisoning. Then you go to the hospital and say it's it's a bad flu. Here you go. But then you go back two more times before they actually take action to save your life. Not to not to speak ill on the coaches or, or the, the medical staff in Gunnison. Like it's very hard to diagnose something along these lines. Um, it's, it doesn't sound very common to 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 say the least. Yeah. Um, so you kind of got hit with all the things, especially where you felt like you lost your, your, your position battle. You, you felt like you haven't been able to get the opportunity. Like all this is what you say seems like to be the perfect storm to say, like, it seems like the universe is telling you to go do something else. And it's like, to me, as I continue to grow and kind of pay attention and, and understand like how our body speaks to us and how to kind of like read the sign, like read the room that the, the life kind of opens up to us. Mm -hmm. uh, life tried to tell you get out of football a few times before it said, all right, like we're going to make you get out. And yeah. that's frustrating because in your head, you're like, no, I got more. I got, I, got, I still can do this. It, right. Like, was there still that itch to like, even after, like, maybe I could still come back from this? Or, like, what, after all was said and done, you were actually coming back, was there all, was it just really, like, all right, I'm graduating. That's it. Well, I mean, I told you that. But then I also got to bring up the fact that when we beat – I had made that decision up in my mind before we beat Mesa. And yeah. then when Chandler makes that kick against Mesa, it's not like I'm standing there like, oh, who cares? I'm graduating at the end of the season. I never – I still – don't have a loss of love for football. If I was given, I mean, I, I could, but the, it's the problem of finding a team and everything like that. If I was given the opportunity to play right now and it was something that yeah, I could promise myself and, and my family that nothing was going to be wrong with my body and, and I would just be able to play, I would play in a heartbeat. 
there is no no question about it. If it made sense, that's exactly what I would still be doing. Um, this whole thing, it was basically the universe telling me that you know you'd basically I basically exhausted the way that I read into it is I'd I'd exhausted all of my capital into this one thing. Like my body was basically telling me you've given 15 years of your life for this thing and you're still not close to where you would have wanted it to be. So you can either continue to waste your time and still come out with a little bit, um, you know, less time to actually do what maybe you're, you were born to do or meant to do, or you can continue, continue to waste your time and, and, and not move forward. And I don't think that, that part, that partially went into the decision. And when I made that decision and, and I talked to coach Baines about it, I was very clear that, I had basically hit my wits end with everything. Like I had, I had, I felt like I had given everything. Nobody could say that I didn't give everything because I was literally almost put on my deathbed for the game that I love and, you know, call it stupid, call it stupidity, call it stubbornness, call it not looking at your body. I didn't want to be hurt. I didn't not want to be there. I, uh, I hated not being, I hated sitting. I was in the hospital the whole day that they were playing Adams and all I could think about was like, I, I wanted to see the apartments one more time at that stadium. I was, I was basically giving myself like a farewell tour when I had decided that I was ready to be done. I wanted to go see Alamosa one more time. I wanted to be with the guys for the remaining weeks of the season that I could be, but there was always that frustration. Like, oh, why, why do I feel that way when I, I know how I felt before and I wasn't getting what I wanted out of it. It wasn't, wasn't, hitting those same buttons that they hit when I was seven years old and just playing because I love playing. I, I, I struggled trying to figure out why I was as upset as I was and why it hurt me as much as it did given all the circumstances. Like I didn't quit. I didn't, you know, just give up. I had basically exhausted every opportunity yet. I still felt like half of what I used to be or half of the person that I was. And that wasn't, I mean, that was, that's something that I'm still working on trying to get over and still working on trying to fully unpack. Um, Cause you know, something like that, there's trauma that your brain pushes away from you and then will randomly give you flashes of, and it, it's rough. There's, there's some days where it's just not easy to do anything. It, it's like, I wake up and I'm pissed off and I haven't even talked to anybody. I haven't even looked at my phone. I rolled over out of bed and I'm just mad or frustrated or feel like I'm on the verge of tears just because I'm, I had something for so long and now I'm still trying to learn how to be without that one thing. Man, that's how many people do you think deal with that on a daily basis and never find something that you found or something that I've found or many, many of the former athletes that kind of stay in that frustration and that, that like they, they don't find something to scratch that itch. And then it kind of, it, it manifests itself in some other way, you know? I mean, look at the countless uh, of our old teammates who've just kind of completely let go and don't really do anything, you know? It's, yeah. uh, it, that is a one in a million. I don't know the actual odds, but that kind of experience is horrifying. In so many more ways, because so many of us, we athletes, we realize that we do have more potential. I mean, even my, my talk up at Western, 
Uh, there's a there's a lot of those athletes that say they want something, you know, but they they they're not tapping into their full potential. And I I was actually on a, a podcast uh, uh, yesterday or the day before, and he's also a football player, and he brought up something that they, his coach would always say. He said potential gets you fired, right? Because potential, if you don't like, if you're just nothing but potential, you're not doing anything for it for for the team for yourself, you know, and uh, like my my own story is different from yours where I, I i was able to finish my career and i i i was stubborn like you like i'm not done i'm going to figure out how to keep playing and then i actually literally had someone else tell me no so instead of my body which was probably telling me to stop but i wasn't listening to it either <laughs> it, was, it was in a lot more mild tones uh, but that 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 feeling of like well i don't know like 15 years, same, same for me, 15 years of your life that you've identified with, that, that you said, this is who I am, is now gone. So with that being said, <laughs> the far end of the bench podcast and your own, your own fitness journey and all that, like, do you feel like you're piecing yourself back together with, with these things? Or is it still that that waking up, that frustration? Like there's something, there's still something missing. I think a lot of where I'm at now can be credited to the family support and um, just the people that I had around me that are that are in my I call it my inner circle, but my family, uh, being very Italian like I am. Uh, we joked before we started the podcast, the tattooed across my chest. So I'm the Italian stallion forever. Yes. Um, I did have a lot of support and a lot of family. You know, I, I could talk to, I had a bunch of people that I would be able to talk to if I needed. Uh, and they kind of made sure, you know, for a while it was treating me with kid gloves and everybody wanted to come see me the week that I got back from the hospital, because that was the first time that one of, one of my generation in the family was close enough to being, not that not there anymore and nobody was going to have any say about it so there was a good amount of support that I got from my family where I kind of I feel like I could have fell a lot lower than I did Uh, and I I think that that's probably what they were all worried about at that point in my life the the very first few weeks afterwards and being out of the hospital and being frustrated that frustration was more my body letting me down like I had put in and that that sucked because we had put in a ton of work to make sure that our bodies don't break down. And all of that work that I did still put me, you know, hours away from six feet in the ground. So there was the the thought of like, if I can't, if I could put in all that work and I can get myself to this point, less than 1% of athletes ever get to playing NCAA college football. And I, and I can almost still, get to that point what's the point of anything then so I I did kind of I let myself go for a little bit I didn't fall nearly as far as I could have and what really kind of pulled me up out of it was the fact that I still did the sports broadcasting with the school so I could still I still got my sports fixed that way still got my competitiveness out of the way there and then I mean going to the gym I think before they sent us all home for COVID, I was five days a week in the gym. You know, I started doing cardio. I started just really focusing on that. And I had a couple of good buddies that, that finished out my senior year with me that were big meatheads too. So 
I was always around good people in the gym. And that was really, that's why I think I have as much affinity for working out still, even though I'm not doing it for any kind of purpose. Like I would, I still max test all my lifts. Well, what's the point? No coach is going to be there to write it down, but that's just, that was kind of the, those, uh, those rep ranges for you. So, so you can yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, uh, I was just able to kind of, I, I will say that I kind of refound myself or at least refound a part of myself um, because I'm still, I see a therapist about the trauma and stuff that I've been going through um, trying to ease some of the anxiety that comes from that situation and now comes from being a college graduate and, you know, up until recently was a very different world than what we were expecting to graduate into. I mean, I talked about how important sports are for me when everything was stopped and I'm in college trying to get a communications degree so I can go become a sports broadcaster and all sports go away like that. That was fucking very anxious because what, what the hell am I going to do? I basically just wasted four years of my life learning all this crap. I'm not even going to get an opportunity to get in the door and try and do what I want to do. That's all of that anxiety and anxiousness was helped because I was able to kind of focus myself in the gym and focus myself on the podcast with Nico and the far end of the bench. Just basically I've learned that like a shark, if I'm moving or have something to focus on, I am a lot more happy and a lot less likely to start thinking about some of those, you know, parts of my life that I, I'm not going to say I regret because I don't regret, but the parts of my life that were, a little bit uh, rougher around the edges than some of the other things that I've been able to do. That's a, uh, that's awesome, man. That true. Like it's so hard. And that's why I love what I do. Like, like, like love what I, who I get to talk to because no one really talks to you about afterwards, right? After the, 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 the last, the last game, the last, last time you walk off the field, I mean, you just kind of, you just kind of do when there's so much, I mean, you especially, but there is a lot of trauma, emotional trauma that kind of goes into losing a piece of you that has literally been your whole life. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 you're honestly an inspiration. I don't know if I've told you that yet, but you are like, there's so many people that have been, that would, that, I mean, me included, if I was in your spot, I don't know what the hell I would have done. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have been able to bounce back because I, I was really low uh, sometimes during my own college career. And the only thing that was able to help me was my teammates and the fact that I had to get out of my room to go to practice. <laughs> but if I didn't have those things, like if I was forced to stop the way you were, I don't, I don't know how I'd be able to come back, man. So I, I think I, I want to ask for other former, for other athletes who, who had injuries come up, who had, who had special scenarios that made them, made them stop playing or, or anything. Like what could you tell someone who's going through something similar that you are uh, about like the experiences of what, what, what would you do to help them in their situation that if it was similar or what would you say to that, that person? I think a big part of the reason why it's so hard and, and even athletes that are able to finish their careers struggle moving on is because uh, they tell you a lot that it's going to end. They just don't prepare you for how it's going to feel after it ends. I mean, I mean, we talk about it. We, You gave your senior speech and it was pretty much the same as everybody else's senior speech. Like I was sitting out there five years ago, listening to all the old guys tell me this is coming to an end. 
enjoy it and I didn't listen. And now here I am telling all of you the same exact thing. It's kind of a, a bad cycle. So for the people specifically that lost out on their athletic careers because of an injury, one, I would say it's okay to be frustrated. You, you don't have to be okay with being done because of something that's out of your control. Like know that, yes, it's over and it's over for a shitty reason, but it's okay to be upset about it for a little bit. It's okay to hold on to some of that. And, you know, if you're able to use it in the right ways, definitely hold on to that and try and help put, help it push you forward. But really it has to come down to at some point, you're going to have to forgive either yourself if it's your body breaking down or forgive the people maybe around you that didn't necessarily prepare you for what's going on because it's not like that was a big thing. I, even though my situation was unique, I still felt like it was basically a, a terrible knee injury that ended my career. I, I kind of put it that way. Yeah. So yes, nobody necessarily went through the same exact thing that I did, but there's definitely a whole bunch of people that are struggling the same way for different reasons. And if you're going to sit there and pity yourself and say, poor me, what's, what makes you any different than any of the other people that, that did that before you, you basically just add to the statistic, you add to the cycle because you're either going to be a coach or you're going to have a kid or you're going to be in contact with somebody that's playing and oh, enjoy it because afterwards, you know, not a whole lot does anything for you. And I think that's, a big problem because when you're told that all of a sudden that puts more anxiety on the thing that you do love and the sport that you do love to play. It's like, okay, well, I better get really good at this really quick so I can continue to play for as long as I can. Cause if nothing happens after we're done, then I don't want to finish. And I think if we're able to somehow kind of break that cycle and prepare yourself, prepare others, the way that you're doing with this podcast, the way I try to, when um, I talk to people, you know, obviously I, I was pretty bitter for a long time to towards the school, towards the football program um, and, and a whole bunch of, of that stuff. But when I talk to somebody new, hell no, I'm not going to tell you how bad it is. <laughs> hell no, I'm not going to tell you that sometimes it feels not worth it at all. When you're on that fifth, um, I can't even, you're, you're on that fifth equalizer and, you know, everybody's dying around you. No, I'm not going to tell you how bad that sucks <laughs> because I, I need you to know that whatever you're going through at that moment is going to feel twice as bad when you're 25 years old and you're trying to find a job out of college. You don't have teammates around you every, every anymore. At some point, maybe you don't have a reason to leave your room. You got to be able to figure out something else in your life that you're going to be able to take that same passion that got you to be that high level athlete or be that athlete in the first place. There's going to be something else that you're good at. There's going to be something else that you enjoy just because it was this thing for so long. Doesn't mean that you can't pivot some way or you can't somehow stumble across something. And it maybe, maybe it turns your life around. Maybe it just helps you out in that moment. And then you find something else, something different. I think athletes for a long time get so focused and so pigeonholed in doing one thing, especially if they're just playing one sport that you just think, well, okay, well, the next passion that I get, that's going to be my life for the next 15 years. And that's really not how that this works. 
you're constantly finding new things. You're constantly changing. No matter if you're working on yourself or not, you are constantly changing. There's no way that anybody listening to this now can say, I am 100% the same person that I was even two weeks ago, because you've had experiences, you've had to deal with things, you've had conversations that have somehow changed you in, in some way. So I think telling athletes, you know, enjoy it now. Yes, definitely enjoy it now. But also be prepared that that joy you feel you're going to have to put in the same amount of effort that you do at practice to make sure that you're feeling that type that's in some type of way about something else afterwards, or you're just going to be sitting there, you know, bitter in your high school letterman jacket at the bar like I'm, I'm mad like I want to continue to play Like we get it. You graduated 30 years ago, it's over, and you never found anything different and that sucks that doesn't mean that you have to continue to push that same stereotype, that same narrative. I think that's a big thing, you know, even with mental health and athletes that's started to get talked about a lot more changing the narrative around the culture that was built would be so beneficial for so many people. We, we know it, you and I struggle with mental health. We, we struggled with it while we were playing. We struggle with it a little bit now. It's, it's the same for a lot of people and, just knowing that there's other people out there in the same boat as you goes a whole long way to actually trying to figure something out and make yourself better. I, I, man, you, I couldn't have put it better myself. That was awesome. You know, I mean, a thought that kept coming up to me as you were, as you were talking was, um, I mean, we get it. We essentially get a second chance when it, when it comes in, Mm -hmm. right. Because we, our sport was part of our life for so long and I don't know about you, but I was kind of forced into it. Not, not to words like it, not to say that was anything, anything wrong with that, but that's why I think I struggled for so long. Like, what am I supposed to do now? Cause this is something that's just been me. Like, who am I now that I don't have the thing that has been there? So to say like, yeah, it's going to come to an end, but you better fucking be ready because you, we don't want to continue this cycle. We want to be able to recreate ourselves to be, to take that same energy that made us a, a high athlete and channel that all-American mindset. Like, I'm going to go at this with the same tenacity, the same effort that I did when I was in my sport, man. I mean, it's it's valuable. and change the narrative. We have to talk about this. Like, mental health is super important. Everything you said, fucking spot on, dude. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh God. I... I think that's, a, that's an excellent place to end because, dude, that was awesome. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. Uh, I've, I've had this thing happen to me a couple of times on the past few podcasts I've been on. They're always kind of fun to end on that I, I like being asked. So I'm going to ask you a couple of weird questions and uh, just all give right. me your first thought that comes to your head. All right. So first one, I'm stealing this from one of my buddies' podcasts. Um, I can't think of his name, but Joe Mike Paul, if you're listening to this, I'll steal this from you. All right. Two songs. I want a weird one, and I want one that you're about to pull like 500 pounds off the ground, like a weird like pre-workout song, and then okay. a, a, like I, I'm I'm about to have my biggest PR in the gym. Which what, what are those two songs? It changes a little bit, but I I told I was the one who replied. You had a story about this a few. I think it might have been a couple months ago where what's the, what's the song that you can listen or like what type of music do you like to listen to? So pretty much anything with a guitar, I'm pretty good about working out to. Um, I actually have 
like Jonas Brothers on my workout playlist. So my weirdest really? one would be, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have some of their old stuff and then also a couple of their new songs. Um, so I guess my weird one I'll, I'll put out there, Burning Up by the Jonas Brothers is my weird workout workout song. Okay. You know, that's, that's, that's more like when you're getting into it, getting loose, you're not really doing anything heavy. It's just, the, you know, because you don't always need to be in a dark place when you're in the gym. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. I like that one. That's good. I might add that one to my playlist. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, there's a couple that really the five like pulling my Big Macs. Um, I was a really big wrestler in high school and and grew up around that culture. So Vision Quest is an old wrestling movie, and they have a song. the The main song from that movie is called Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider. It's like the they're one of the big one hit wonders from the '80s. So that's one. Um, but also, you know, lose yourself, especially if it comes on in the right time. Yeah. I can hear those drums. I hear those drums and it's a minimum 50 pound plus on whatever I'm doing. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right. All right. Last one. What's one guilty pleasure, like TV show that you watch that you're afraid to admit? Vanderpump Rules. What is that? Very trashy reality television. <laughs> I think we all have one. I think we all have yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, that it was basically a spinoff of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh, one of them had a restaurant, and they hire like really, you know, the people who went to Los Angeles to become actors and models. They were like the best looking person in their town, but they can't really get any work in LA. Uh-huh. So this follows them as they work at this restaurant. Everybody sleeps with everybody. Everybody cheated on everybody. It, basically, I get to turn my brain off and realize I'm not that bad. No, like, <laughs> oh yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. One. That's the one. I love that. Oh, I, that one just came off the top of my head. So I'm glad I asked that one because now I need to figure out what this show is. All right, Jimmy, where can everyone find you and hear all the awesome things you do? Follow you and uh, get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, I would give out my personal Twitter, but right now I'm on a little bit of a Twitter suspension. So oh, uh, I will just give you the podcast one, Far End of the Bench podcast, at FEOTB pod on all social medias. Uh, that's my sports podcast that I do every week with my really good friend, Nico. Um, and we play Little League football together, and we've still been really close friends. So that's every week. We're live on the Unhinged Sports Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro, Wednesdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern. And then we're available on demand right after that ends. Um, and every now and then you'll be able to hear Jonah. We, we bring him in for a monthly segment, like I said. I've also just started a new podcast that's a little bit more laid back uh, with my brother. He and I have some pretty interesting conversations, or sometimes we just think they're interesting. They're just kind of out there. So basically, turn your brain off and listen to the two of us go back and forth. Uh, that one's called the Dago Express um, that we just started. It comes out Tuesdays. So I have my sports podcast. I have my other podcast. And then I do a whole bunch for our Unhinged Sports Network. I have a couple exclusive shows on there. Um, I do a hockey show. And then I also host the NFL show. So like I said, I don't really like to sit around. Um, I basically just continually move from one thing to the next. And that's pretty much how I've run my podcasting career now is if I have multiple things that I have to do all at once. I'm happy and I'm able to do at least know what I have to work on for the next however long. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, you're truly an inspiration and uh, I can't wait to keep fucking 
collaborating with you, dude. It's awesome. Truly, truly a fun time. I appreciate it. I appreciate everything you've done for me and my sister. It was a, I mean, this, this worked out for the both of us uh, when I reached out to you to train. So I appreciate everything. Yes, sir. Keep it rolling. All right. Got it. Later, brother.